Hey everyone, welcome to the Fight to Thrive podcast. I'm Dr. Tyler Simmett. I'm a physical therapist and the captain in the U.S. Army. So this podcast is meant to serve as kind of your one-stop shop for tools to improve the physical, psychological, nutritional, emotional, and spiritual aspects of your life as I'm going to speak with experts throughout all of these fields. Now the show is called Fight to Thrive because you know this knowledge is great, but if you don't have the discipline to keep fighting every day to become a better version of yourself through this information, this podcast simply isn't going to help you. So keep fighting and let's take better care of ourselves so we can ultimately take better care of others. I do have to mention that the views expressed in this podcast are that of myself and my guests and do not reflect the official policy or position of the Department of the Army, Department of Defense, or the U.S. government. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy this week's episode. All right, welcome everyone to this week's episode. So this week we have our uh, new director of our H2F program here at the Triple Nickel Engineering Brigade, and that is uh, Mr. Pat Sandora. And Pat, thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. It's my pleasure. Yeah, so we're excited. It's been, you know, I've, I mentioned multiple times in this podcast, I don't make it, want to make it like a woe is me mentality, <laughs> but it's been just me since October. So uh, super excited to have Pat on. Uh, he has a really interesting background and uh, a lot of experience in the field. And if you can just kind of talk to us about that a little bit and what your experience has been like before coming into the military setting and now since you've been in the military setting. Yeah, sure. Uh, that's one of the things you'll, you'll find about like a lot of strength coaches. I think we can, we all like to talk about ourselves. So hopefully I won't ramble on too long uh, about it. Um, well, I mean, I, I started out in strength conditioning um, back in 93, probably well before you were born. Um, I started out as a, as a Volunteer West Virginia University, became an intern, became a grad assistant, eventually went back to WVU to finish my master's degree. And uh, I was the associate director of strength conditioning. So I oversaw everything except football. Um, between those times from leaving undergrad, uh, I was a, a phys ed and health teacher in rural South Carolina, which was fun. Ruffin, South Carolina, if anyone's familiar with where Ruffin is, I was uh, a phys ed teacher there. Um, just sounds like a tough place to be. It, it, it was rough and yeah, <laughs> it, it was, it was, it was actually a lot of fun, a lot of good, really good people there. Um, but I, uh, I was the associate, I should say the assistant football coach. However, all I did was, uh, tape ankles and did the strength conditioning. That's all that he would let me do because I was such a new teacher that he was like, I'm going to run the offense. The bus driver's going to run the defense. You just take care of the guys. Had an understanding and I was fine with that, you know, being a first year coach. But um, I did that for, uh, well, a school year. And I was like, you know, um, I saw baseball teams starting to look for um, strength conditioning coaches. And I was like, "Ah, that'd be cool. Do it one year, you know, just to say that I did it. Um, And I ended up uh, getting on with the Texas Rangers. Um, So I did one year in Savannah, Georgia in the minor leagues. Um, went to Miami of Ohio, worked at Miami, Ohio for a little bit. The Red so- or I'm sorry, the, the Rangers asked me to, if I'd come back. Um, I came back with the Rangers and I did a season in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and then um, was offered a, a minor league coordinating job with the Philadelphia Phillies, which meant I oversaw everything except the big leagues for strength conditioning. Um, and that included Venezuela and Dominican. So I got to travel a little bit outside the country and see see a, a couple other really beautiful countries um, before everything kind of 
went downhill in Venezuela, but it's still a beautiful country. Um, did that for five years. That's when I went back to school, finished my master's degree, was the associate director. Got back into baseball. I did a season with the Milwaukee Brewers, um, a season with the Cleveland Indians, and then I became the minor league coordinator again with the Boston Red Sox, against overseeing everything except for the big league team. Um, and then the chicken and beer fiasco of 2011 occurred in Boston. If some of your fans are from Boston, they'll know what happened. Basically, team was in first place all year. And um, at the, towards the end of the season playoff run, they went from basically first to worst. Um, a lot of the stuff was blamed on the strength and conditioning coach. Um, and he was let go. So I had got my opportunity to get into big leagues because of Popeye's chicken and uh, Miller Lite, actually. <laughs> and then I ended up being uh, four years in the big leagues with them. So I, I was blessed to have 10 years with the Red Sox and was a part of two World Series teams. Um, after the, the season ended in 15, um, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. Ended up going back to school, started working my doctorate a little bit. Um, Bounced around, did a little bit uh, of uh, high-end personal training in Boston. Didn't like that too much. And Why then is that? It's just, just a different mentality. After, like, 18 years in professional baseball, there's there's definitely a camaraderie. There's definitely uh, a lot of um, joking around and teasing that you really can't do with uh, personal training because you're trying to keep the client as much as possible. So I couldn't kind of lay into somebody and be you like, Hey, man, there you, you go. A little yeah. Bit and it was, it was a very, um, I don't know. It, it definitely stroking of an ego in order to try to keep them on. And I just, I, it's not me. And it was, it was killing me inside. And I, at the same time, I was, um, doing talks for companies called Oda X, which was, uh, owned by, two ex Navy SEALs and they always told the story that they were either going to open a brewery or a human performance, uh, which is total two opposite directions. I know, but I mean, that's, that's what they always said. So they, they started this company in Boston um, and they geared it towards uh, first responders. So it was educating firefighters, police officers, EMTs on how to take care of themselves. And it was like a four day course. So I was the day one um, instructor and I went through all of you know, why you train, how do you train properly, looking at the functionality of training and um, all the science behind it. And it, it, I loved it. I mean, I, I loved getting out and like working with that population. And um, it just led me into the opportunity of going and working on uh, Fort Drum at uh, the 20th ASOS, uh, which is uh, Attack P Squadron. Um, up in Fort Drum, and I just loved it. It was, it was honestly, it was home. It was, it was a feeling of um, relief that I could like joke around again and lay into somebody when they needed to be squared up, and just um, have guys who were disciplined and listen and want to be better. You know, really to take their their abilities to the next level, and it, it was just a great experience. And I did that for three years. Um, so happy that I had that opportunity because it brought me here to something that was uh, near and dear to my heart is this, the holistic approach and looking at the warrior athlete 
through multiple lenses, not just physical performance. So awesome. And then here I am. Awesome. Yeah. Well, we're again, we're really excited to have you. That's quite a background, very, very diverse, and yeah. not only the things you've done, but the locations you've been to. Yeah. And it's funny. Earlier, we were actually walking to get our, our uh, doing a go to a blood drive and uh, give blood and. Pat was saying it's too cold around here. I'm like, man, you're coming from Fort Drum. I don't know how it's too cold around mm-hmm. here, but maybe I just have the false like interpretation of it. Yeah. Um, but just to clarify, we do not, we are not a sponsor of uh, Miller Lite or Popeye's <laughs> Chicken <laughs> on this program. Good point. Good point. Um, I, I, uh, I do not endorse. I think the uh, our H2F uh, counterparts would be disappointed <laughs> if we were we were uh, promoting that. No, I'm just kidding. But so yeah, that's great. And and you know we've talked already quite a bit about your time in pro sports and, and the different aspects of that lifestyle. And I think that camaraderie is a big piece for why I joined the military too. Mm-hmm. And, and, and being able to, I think that's an important part of leadership. If you're going to be the most effective at your job, uh, you're going to need to crack the whip a little bit sometimes, mm-hmm. tell people how it is. And, and if you're just going to Again, stroke their ego or tell them how great they are all the time, then they're not going to become the best version of themselves exactly. either. And so excited that you're kind of bringing that to the table. With this job specifically, what kind of stood out about it? I mean, you talked a little about uh, about some of those reasons, but um, mm-hmm. you know, what made because you were already kind of in that type of setting. Yeah. What made you want to go from like that Air Force and tactical type setting into this like H2F type of domain? Um, when when I was on board drum, um, I was I was the oldest strength coach on on post. So a lot of the army side would come over and just hang out. We would talk shop. So I got to learn a lot about the whole H2F process and what they're shooting for. And to me, um, it really struck me as it's, it's an opportunity to build something great. Um, I, I didn't come from a privileged background, but, um, I had, I would say a, a privileged life being able to work in pro sports and travel and see everything that I saw. But it, it's honestly, I, I couldn't do that without people like you, you know what I mean? That really keep this country free to, to be able to do what you want to do and the ideology. So to me, it was something, it was giving back to a, a population that's very near and dear to me because I truly feel that way that I, the only reason I have these opportunities, I wouldn't have these opportunities in any other country. And it's people that are in the military that sacrifice their own lives to to allow the rest of society to do what they love to do. So, like, really, again, for me, it's it's the opportunity to to do something I love, to do something I believe in, and to give back to my country that's given me so much. That makes sense. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, that's that's awesome. So when with your time in pro sports, uh, I know you were saying that you had a pretty good sized staff that would travel around and mm-hmm. and kind of took it sounds like a similar approach to what we're doing now as far as having all of these specialized providers come on that can mm-hmm. be part of the team mm-hmm. uh, to kind of lift everyone's performance and, and injury prevention and and can you can you speak to that a little bit and, and what that culture was like as far as like working as part of a team of mm-hmm. providers and, and um, performance trainers and, yeah. and how, you know, we might be able to implement a similar type of culture here. Yeah. Um, I mean, ideally, 
what we always did, we, when we hung out together, when we traveled together, we ate together, we worked out together. Um, a lot of times you'll see a lot of different um, lanes within the same track, if that makes sense, okay? We're all health and uh, human performance, holistic health providers. And there's a lot of overlap within each of our jobs, okay? Um, I'm sure as a physical therapist, I mean, you know strength and conditioning, you know the body. I know the body. Um, we both know nutrition. There's gonna be a nutritionist, a dietitian, right? Um, there's there's gonna be all these components that kind of have blurred lanes. And it's just trying to to bring everybody together for for one common goal, one ideology. And the fact that I did that at the professional levels for so many years and really was embedded with the ideology that it's, we're a team here and our team is built to help perf the performance of team, you know, the team that's on the field um, and trying to keep them on the field as much as possible and in the fight. Um, it is something I definitely want to bring here, you know what I mean, that mentality. And there'll be a lot of providers that will be like, stay in your lane, stay in your lane, stay in your lane. I get it. I'm, I'm not going to I'm not going to do manual therapy, but we can both talk the same talk with, you know, um, movement competencies and what we're trying to accomplish. And again, we can both talk the same talk with the nutritionist about proper diets and proper um uh, hygiene when it comes to uh, food intake. Um, but like I said, it, it's just, it's such an awesome opportunity, but I think having, having my background of, of seeing how, when, when everyone's working together for a common goal, how great it can be, you know, um, I think is really going to help set us apart from a lot of the other brigades throughout the country and on JBLM. Awesome. When you were a part of that, those teams of, of professionals, like, for example, when you were with the Red Sox, can you talk through, like, who all was on the staff from, yeah. from that performance side? Um, on, on the performance side, we had, um, we had a director, okay? Um, underneath the director, you had the head athletic trainer, the head strength coach, the um, head physical therapist. Underneath them, um, like I had more um, on my side since I was the only strength coach for the team um, at the big league level. Um, I kind of oversaw more the nutritional component and, and somewhat of the uh, psychological aspect. So like I had um, the cognitive performance. Um, I had the dietitian and the chef that like I dealt with. And then uh, underneath the, the head physical therapist was like an assistant physical therapist. And then underneath the head athletic trainer, he had three athletic trainers. Kind of bridged under all of us that we all had input in. Um, we had uh, two massage therapists as well that would travel with the team. So it was, it was a big medical group that actually traveled. And then doctors would come in occasionally just to, to go on some road trips if somebody had some issues that were going on. Or like the the team orthopedic would would travel occasionally, but they're always at home games too. So we're always talking about what was going on. I think one of the things that are important is like like I'll see stuff and I'll let you know about it as soon as I see it. But the, the thing is, you can't tell anybody that I seen that 
because then I look like I'm the rat. If someone comes to me confidentially, but it's something that's going to help them in the long run, like I would tell the athletic trainers, I'd be like, hey, um, you know, so-and-so was moving poorly during the, the workout. He's complaining about um, something in his foot. Yeah. And I'd be like, don't tell him it came from me. And then they would just see the guy walking and they'd be like, hey, is there something wrong with you? And they'd be like, no, everything's fine. And they'd be like, well, you know, you're kind of walking funny. And then they look like a genius because they're looking like, you know, X-ray eyes, MRI fingers type thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? That they can tell that there's compensation going on. And then, like, we would kind of work the magic that way, you know, not letting one or the other know that um, or letting each department know that there's something going on. Um, so, I mean, it, it was, uh, it was, it was a good dynamic that we had, you know, with stuff. Good. Yeah. It, it's funny as you're going through that list, those lists of, uh, of people you had on the staff, mm. it sounded almost identical to what we're going to have here. Exactly. And so exactly. it's, you know, and that was in 2010, 2011. Yeah. And it's, you know, now finally we're catching up here mm. and figuring out. So for listeners, you know, that are part of this brigade, you're going to have these resources available, this, you know, similar resources that professional athletes have and at your disposal, essentially. So, you know, I just encourage you guys to take advantage of it and, uh, you know, work here to help. And, and as you can tell, Pat and, and myself are very passionate about what we're trying to do here. So, uh, you know, this this program isn't going to work unless you're you take it seriously. Right. And exactly. like I talk about on the podcast a lot we have a lot of information we're spitting out of people. And, mm -hmm. and that's great information is one thing, but if you're not utilizing discipline and accountability with your with your battle buddies every day to make sure that you're implementing it. And it's tough to do. It's tough to focus on your sleep and your hydration and your nutrition and your performance and doing it at your job and your relationships and all these things. Mm -hmm. It takes dedicated discipline, hard efforts. And so if we aren't encouraging that i think as uh you know from a leadership side we're missing the ball there too and that's what where you're saying sometimes you got to get on people's ass a little bit and let them know what's up yeah and 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 tell it how it is and yeah. not coddle them and so i appreciate that yeah what um you know what role do you think uh discipline is, is played within from maybe from a leadership perspective how, how you kind of look at the importance of discipline and how you kind of emphasize it within your own life yeah. um I would say this one's hard. I mean, it's hard, especially when when you have to discipline yourself, okay, uh, like um, with with anything in life. But there are choices that you need to make that you know are going to be beneficial in the long run. Um, you, you might not like the fact that you're do, you have to do this or someone wants you to do this. But um, when it when it comes down to the longevity of what you're trying to do, it's those lifestyle changes that need to be made or you're just heading down the wrong path. And it's going to lead to a lot of. Probably even poor decisions down the road because you're trying to make quick fixes that, you know, aren't going to help with with anything performance wise, mental or like relationships. Um, so to me, I mean, discipline is huge. It's it's a huge part of what needs to be done in order to get the job done. OK, um, I know the other day when we were 
on the readiness day, we kind of talked a little bit about um, there's only two things you can control in life, and that's going to be your effort and your attitude, okay? If you have the wrong attitude about discipline or you have the wrong attitude about um, how something should be done, I mean, it's it's just not going to be effective, you know? Um, your work ethic is going to suffer for it and vice versa. If if my work ethic is is crap and I don't have the discipline to have that work ethic, then my attitude's going to suck, you know? So so it's about just getting your house in order, and it's going to take time for some people to get their house in order. But kind of get your house in order and and really put that best foot forward, you know, with your the work that you're going to put in. So it becomes more fruitful in the long run, and you have that that potential to be the best version of you you can be. Yeah, and motivation and discipline aren't the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. I can be really motivated to go out for a good run or, or get up and go to work when it's when it's April and the sun's shining and it's, it's beautiful around here and life's good. Um, but in the middle of December, when we're in the heat of a COVID lockdown and haven't seen the fiance for a year, you know, like that's, you're probably not gonna be as motivated and ready to go, but exactly. that's where discipline comes in. Exactly. You stay consistent in those efforts and like you said, that's one of the few things we can control is our efforts. Yeah. And um, if you're disciplined enough to be making those day in and day out, that's where you see gradual, long-term, big changes yeah. over just a little bit of effort day in and day out on, yeah. on the small things. Yeah, there's no shortcuts, you know. Mm-hmm. Taking shortcuts are just – it's not going to help the long run, you know. not going to help the long run. Absolutely. Are there any other, uh, you know, qualities of, of a soldier athlete that that you would uh, emphasize, you know, that th- you think are important to emphasize within uh, not only just training but overall mindset? Yeah, I, I think just a belief in yourself and the person next to you, you know, and, and I think that's that's going to be in any sport or or any athletic endeavor endeavor um, or even like in a war athlete, a warrior athlete is to me, I mean, you kind of have to love what's next to you and behind you and not so much hate what's in front of you, you know what I mean, in order to really step up and be the best version of you you could be and care for those that are around you, you know. So I I truly believe that that's going to be one of the big aspects of why do you train, why do you keep, you know, why do you care for yourself? It's because you need to love no matter how much you like or dislike, ultimately you have to love who's next to you, okay? And you have to be able to build those those bonds and those relationships so you know that, hey, I have your back, you have my back, we'll get through it, you know, when the shit hits the fan, how are we going to move forward, you know? So, I mean, I think um, mental toughness is is huge, you know, and that, that knowledge that I'm able to get through this, Um I think a lot of times with with athletics, they get a little bit confused with what is mental tough or what is stupidity when it comes down to like muscle injuries. Mm-hmm. I, I think sometimes people think, oh, I'm not being mentally tough if I, you know, step out here, you know. But there's a difference between I think pain and like discomfort and people trying to find that 
push their bodies in order to be able to do what it needs to do, but at the same time, don't be stupid about it. Does that make sense? I know I'm throwing a lot of like a lot of things out there, but I mean, I think it all comes into play. Like, yeah. me- what is mentally being mentally tough? Sometimes mentally tough is being able to realize that this is my limit right here. Right. At least this is my limit for this second. Right. You know. Absolutely, and I think that's where good programming comes in too, yeah. right? And and sometimes people are finding those limits when they may not need, be needing to be if they were uh, participating in a well-structured workout, yes. you know, that, that had adequate rest and recovery and, and some of these things. And that's where I think yourself and the other strength coaches that, that are coming in can really help change the culture on what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. And I know you've already been going to PT. So if you guys are out at PT and see a strange man walking yeah. around, introduce yourself <laughs> to Pat. I'm just yeah. kidding. But um, one thing you said that was really awesome regarding the, just loving the person next to you, you know, in yeah. front and behind you, um, that's huge, right? That is so big because and it's difficult in today's society, right? It's a, a, in American society today tends to be pretty selfish, right? It's it's yeah. me, me. What can I do for me today? How can I progress my career? How can I can how I how can I get promoted um, instead of trying to get the the guy next to you, you know, get him up and get him promoted and mm-hmm. and that's where like you know with my life that's where I get all my energy from is those those interactions those relationships those patients that I'm trying to help uh you know progress forward and if it was all about me all day then I I just wouldn't have that desire like that motivation that that energy it doesn't mm-hmm. you know sitting here in my office that's not where I get fueled it's it's by that interaction yeah and, and help and I think that's huge and I think it's where a lot of military people that I meet, they they don't have that in, extrinsic motivation. It's all intrinsic. It's it's the the love of what you do or the the fulfillment you get from seeing others being able to elevate their game and being able to succeed in life or you know being able to um, push themselves or push the other where it's not a monetary thing. You know, I mean, yeah, everybody loves money. Don't get me wrong, everybody loves money. But like I think that's where there's a like a lot of similarities I think between like professional sports and and the military is that there's there's an intrinsic motivation I truly feel to be the best okay not necessarily make the most money okay but be the best that they can be you know the best son the best husband the the best father the best soldier that they can be and I think it's part of leadership. What is leadership as opposed to like just managing an issue? You know what I mean? And I think it really comes down to how much do you care? How much do you care? How much effort you're putting in? And what, again, effort and attitude, you know? So, yeah. And it's exactly what you said. It's not just about being like a better killer, right? That's the bottom line of what we're doing here is, is to win wars. Right. And then, and it is to, to survive, you know, in a, in a wartime situation. And that's what we're trying to optimize. But by doing the, by focusing on these physical and mental and, and spiritual components of your life, that will have secondary effects, or maybe they're pr- a primary effect for you of improving your relationship, being a better uh, son, husband, brother, daughter, sister, whatever the case may be. And that's going to come again through that continued day-to-day effort and it's it's effort and maybe that needs to be your motivation it's not to 
do bicep curls all day and look better in the mirror mm-hmm. for yourself, right? It's it's too. There's nothing wrong with that. I, I, I'm just all, not all day. I mean, I'll, I'm a I'm a bicep curl guy. Don't get me wrong, <laughs> but uh, you know what I mean. Just like being so, like you said, extrinsically motivated or or, or int- even intrinsic- intrinsically motivated on the wrong things, yeah. right? It needs to be, um, in my opinion, it needs to be focus more on others yeah. and less on yourself and that's that's what's going to keep you going for it every day mm-hmm. so thank I you for that, that. Yeah. yeah do you have anything else for the the unit or any anything else you'd like to add um i i know one of the things that like when i was walking around a little bit and i'm not calling anybody out but if you said that you you know who you are um where they're like i introduced myself and i'm like oh i'm the director i'm the h2f director you know and they're like what is h2f and then somebody goes, oh, he's the, you know, what's the the physical test? The um, ACFT. Yeah, he's the ATFC guy or a- ACFT. ACFT. Did I say mm-hmm. that right? Yeah. Guy. And it's like, no, it's so much more than just the test. Okay. Uh, like in my opinion, and this is how I always trained all my guys, regardless if it was for sport or for the military. The focus shouldn't be the test. The focus should be like training athletically and what is like functional athletics you know and what does that look like you know and if you're trained properly your your testing will take care of itself and you won't have an issue on the test not saying that you shouldn't still hex bar deadlift because it's in the test or that you shouldn't work on your shuffles or your pull-ups or your um your knee tuck within the workouts but like just training specifically for passing the test isn't probably always the smartest way to go about it you know so um it goes back to having a plan what is your plan why are you doing it like when i walk around and talk to people it's like you know why are you doing that and it's i don't know you know what i mean it's because that's what we're doing today so uh, really on my end it's it's just to try to educate on the why Uh, like i have that little um that little i don't call it a poster but a little sign that's on my wall it's because the coach said that's why that is not which i'm waiting to get a big red piece of tape to put over that that is not my philosophy on it and um that was given to me because i always said you need to ask why you need to ask why so like one of my um tag peas got me that as a joke you know what I mean? So that is if you come into my office and you see that, that's not my philosophy. My philosophy is to educate you guys on why. So you know better how to do it. Um, I was walking the little tour with um, Colonel Bame and we were talking about like, hey, you know what? Right now, I, I still want to do some of the strength conditioning aspect as we add staff in. I'll start pulling back from the strength and conditioning component. And he was like, well, he doesn't want me to write programs. He wants me to educate on how you guys should be writing your own programs. And it's like, I get it. It's teach you how to fish and not fish for you. Because again, that plays into that lifelong love of health and wellness that we want to, we want you guys to get towards, you know, I want you guys to love it as much as I do. And I'm sure you want them to love it as much as you do. It's not always going to be the case, but maybe just maybe we can get some of our love and passion for what we do to rub off on others so they continue to do it. And I honestly feel that it's going to be through educating why you're doing what you're doing. So that's important. And I think 
if you're just going to always take the mentality, kind of that passive mentality to just do whatever they tell me to do and you're not working on develop, developing things yourself, and that's going to really develop your creativity and your leadership qualities as well. Mm-hmm. It kind of kind of makes me sad to hear that there's people out there don't know about the H2F program. We tried <laughs> to push it out quite a bit. So, you know, if you're listening to this, you probably know quite a bit about the H2F program. And I just encourage you, every, everybody in this army is a leader. So be a leader. Get out there and spread the program. Spread this podcast. We have our uh, H2F Instagram page that uh, handles at 555H2F. Uh, a lot of good information about the ACFT, but about a, a lot of general uh, health and wellness information. As we are adding more staff, we're going to keep putting a lot more uh, well-rounded information out there. So keep an eye on that. Um, but, yeah, thank you so much for coming on, Pat, and look forward to working with you. My pleasure. Thank you. Take care. All right, everyone, just have one more quick ask before you go. Uh, if you got something out of or you just enjoyed this week's episode, It'd really mean a lot if you could take the time to either subscribe, review, or share this podcast with your family, friends, fellow servicemen and women, uh, whoever you think you know might be able to benefit from it. Uh, my goal is, it really is to reach as many people as possible and, and to hopefully help them find better health and wellness. So if you could uh, you know, take the time to do this, it would really mean a lot. Uh, thanks, everyone. I hope you have a great rest of your day.